I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. My guest today reached out to ask me to be on her podcast and uh, to be on mine to share a story that I think you will enjoy tremendously. Leandra Haupt is uh, a model, a designer, an actress. She's also a hypnotherapist and a life coach. She lived in five countries, speaks six languages, and has accomplished two college degrees. When she reached out, I responded and said, that's wonderful. It's actually quite incredible what you've achieved so far, but what is your story? She answered and said, well, my story was a story of finding self-love for myself, but for my body, which really was what I used to become the model that I was. Self-love is a story that I want to bring on slow-mo very often. So I hope you will enjoy and find value in my conversation with my new friend, uh, Leandra Haupt. Hi, Leandra. So good to see you. We, we, we don't know each other, but we will get to know each other now. Uh, we uh, got connected on Instagram, I believe, back in December, correct? So thank you so much for reaching out and thank you for being here today. I think this will be a wonderful conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy we could finally make this work and speak and get to know each other today. Perfect. I'll start with reading a tiny bit of the message that you sent me, because actually I don't, when I read it the first time, I thought, is this one person or is this multiple people? Because oh, <laughs> you, you, basically, you basically started with, I know your podcast. I love your podcast. I'm also hosting my own podcast, Pure Happy Healthy, uh, with similar topics. Nice, right? And then you started going into, I work as a hypnotherapist, model, designer, actress, a life coach, lived in five countries, speak six language, accomplished two college degrees, and so on. And basically, you sent me a website to your work. And uh, then I, I asked you and I said, well, amazing, amazing. But what would be your story? And you sent me the most inspiration story that we will talk about. But I want to take us through step by step. So let's get to know each other. Let's get our audience to know you. Six languages. You know, in Google, when I, when I worked at Google, that was one of the top indicators of intelligence. So people who spoke two languages or more were more intelligent than average. If someone spoke six languages, we would go like, whoa, we should hire them. Why? Why do you speak six languages? Are you, is that because of where you lived, your parents? What happened there? Yeah, first of all, it's so funny that you say uh, it seems like multiple people contacted you because sometimes I even feel like that. Not that I'm schizophrenic or something, but I often feel like <laughs> I have so many different fields of interest and so many things I want to do and I already did and I still want to do that sometimes it feels or it felt at least in the past even challenging combining that in one person. And it still changes throughout the weeks for me, even also throughout the year 
years that my point of interest will really change and move towards another field. But now I can really embrace it. And I know it's such a gift to never stop learning and just diving deeper into one topic, but then also being able and open to change into a new subject. So for me, Life is about learning and life is about getting to know new fields, getting to know new people, getting to know new languages and everything that's connected with that. So now I'm really grateful that I dove and will dive into so many different fields of my life, including all the languages. So starting from how I got to know all these languages, which was your question. Already as a child, my parents were kind of um, not really hippie, but very alternative people. So they lived in Portugal even before I was born and I was supposed to be born there. But then a horrible accident happened and my parents witnessed that horrible accident where actually the bicycle driver who was involved in the accident died in the arms of my parents before the ambulance could come. So that was so traumatic for my parents that they didn't want to give birth to me as my mom was pregnant. So they moved back to Germany where I actually came from. And so instead of Portugal, I grew up in Germany. And ever since I can remember, my parents would love to go travel. We went to Portugal still each year and we would travel a lot. And my dad is very talented about languages. And he would teach me from an early age on that it's so important to learn another language or at least the basics when you go to another place. So I picked that up quite early in my childhood. And there was always that desire of me to experience new things and to get to know new people. I was very open-minded always about talking with strangers. And my mom would tell that as a child already, I would run up to strangers on the street and would start just a random conversation with them. So I think with my podcast, I uh, followed a life goal, <laughs> talking <laughs> with strangers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just online now, but not on the street anymore. So that was always a desire of me. And later when I was 15, that was my first big step, basically, when I did a high school year abroad in the United States. So there I learned how to speak proper English. And I spent one year with a host family, went to school, etc. And that was really when my, when I was on fire and I wanted to get to know new countries, new people, new languages. So I moved to Mexico after I finished my school back in Germany. So I worked as a teacher actually for English and for art in a primary school in Mexico when I was 18 and 19. And then throughout my studies in back in Germany, I did a year abroad in Istanbul, Turkey. So I learned Turkish. No way. I love that city. It's beautiful, right? It's one of my favorite places, definitely. I was supposed to stay five months, but then I was like, nope, I'm staying longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I just always had a French at school. So uh, I had a French flatmate and I always spoke French whenever I could. So that's how I learned my French. And then I um, had to travel later on when I was working as a photographer. I was traveling for one and a half hours back and forth in the public commute. And it was so boring for me that I decided I want to learn another language. So I downloaded a lot of apps and uh, I was thinking, okay, which language can I learn that is maybe not so 
different than what I already know, but still something new to learn. So I started to learn Dutch and I did that for a year every single day. So I also speak Dutch now. So wow. I speak German, wow. English, French, Spanish, Turkish and Dutch now. Wow. Right. And, and, you know, <laughs> you have many years and many commutes to go. Actually, one of the things I regretted in my life, I also had an aptitude for languages. And I told myself, I think when I turned 45 or something, that if I had allowed myself to learn a language every two years, which in my mind would is actually quite possible to learn it to conversational level, I would end up with like, you know, 15 languages now. I'd be able to speak to everyone in the world. Imagine if I had recorded my German, even though German is probably one of my better languages, but imagine if I had recorded the Dutch version of Soul for Happy in Dutch. I think people would have loved me for that. Anyway, can I just say, so this is not just aptitude. This is, you, you have something there that's entirely around, you know what, I'll just completely follow my passion, right? If I want to explore something, I'll go and explore which obviously is not something all of us do. As a matter of fact, many of us are held back by that fear of get a job, focus on something, get stability in your life. You go from Germany to America, to Mexico, to Turkey, and you're just all over and you're trying different languages. Did you say photographer? That was not on the one of the jobs that you told me you did. And so anyway, so you keep doing those things most people will suffer fear when you tell them, when life offers them opportunities to explore, they wouldn't do that. What's your secret? What's, what's different about you? I think as my parents were so different from an early age, you know, my parents uh, never got married and they were vegetarians forever. I mean, now being a vegetarian is not really that special anymore. But back when I was born, that was really special and very strange to a lot of people. And then also the concept of two people living together in an open relationship as my parents did. And then we also have a quite um, not German look, I would call it, neither I do nor my parents do. So I grew up in a countryside where people were very conservative and we were always the others. I wasn't <laughs> even allowed to uh, play with the other kids because they were scared of my parents. And then also due to the profession of my parents, my mom was a natural doctor for homeopathy and therapy. And she would have a little vegetable garden with like a really wild garden, everything like grown wild. And my my dad uh, was a car dealer for old Volkswagen cars, like really old ones, like um, the first cars that was recreated, basically. So my parents and my whole family were always considered as the freaks. So for me, from an early age, I learned how to be really independent and I learned that I'm always different. And in the beginning, obviously, and I still looking back, that was really painful for me because I really never really had that feeling of belonging to that group or always feeling slightly different. But now I see it as my superpower because as I feel like I'm already different, nothing can hold me back. And also my parents always encouraging me to go on travels or do whatever I want in life. I do somehow not have that fear. And I think it's confirmation bias as well. Meaning when you go out there and you travel and you see everything is okay and it's actually fun and life is holding and protecting you, then you have so much confidence in life and so much trust in life and also in your yourself at one point that makes it 
easier and easier the next times you try. And actually, I think that's the same thing about a language. The first languages you learn, it's somehow still a bit of a feels like a hard work and a, a like troubling and a lot of commitment. But then once you know that you're able to speak another language, it becomes easier and easier for the next languages that you learn because you build that connection in the brain that makes it more accessible and more easy. And you know it's possible for you. That's the big thing, I guess, that it's possible for you because you've done it before and that makes it easier for the next time. I think this is incredible when you really, do you ever hear you talk? I mean, when, when I heard you say this now, you're basically taking something that's probably the biggest reason for depression and unhappiness in young people, which is not fitting in. And you're saying, this is my superpower. So I don't look German. I don't behave German. I, you know, my parents didn't behave like the sign of their time. And I'll tell you openly, if you really think about it, I don't think anyone is normal. <laughs> I mean, the truth of life is that we're, <laughs> we're all different, right? But then for most of us, we get broken when we feel that we're not normal. You take this and you go the opposite direction and you say, okay, you know what, I'm not normal and I'm going to enjoy it fully. I'm going to travel, I'm going to explore, I'm going to do everything. Was that why you got into modeling? No, actually, uh, I never planned on being a model. <laughs> as okay. I said, I worked as a, <laughs> I uh, first studied uh, art history and politics in Berlin, here where I live, still live nowadays. And it was a really, really good university. So I was really happy to go in there. But already in the first weeks, I somehow realized that this career is not for me. And the more the college went on, I realized that it's too... Yeah, theoretical for me. And I'm really a person that likes to experience, that likes to go out there and do something. Um, I like to be practical and create and create art and beauty in this world. So I thought, okay, what shall I still continue this or what's my path? So I was really struggling for a while because I didn't really know where my path would go. But then I discovered the career path of design for myself. So I still finished my college degree, but then then went into photography and design and started studying that at the same time, basically. And when I um, was in my last semester, we had to do a practical work, working in some business or some studio or in, in the field. So I worked with a fashion photographer because photography was always something that resonated most with me. So working with that fashion photographer, we worked with all these beautiful models. And somehow ever since I was born, I remember I have a really a desire for beauty, beauty in all kinds of shapes and forms, not only with people, but also with plants and interior and looking at beautiful houses and everything that is beautiful for me. So it was so fascinating for me working with all these what I thought beautiful models and then creating beautiful pictures and with beautiful light and making that beautiful outcome. And that has always been something that seemed so far away from me that seemed like something from a catalog or these people can't be real. They seem so untouchable for me. But then seeing how this is actually designed real people and real humans and it is so it was so close to me 
I got really interested in modeling, but I never thought that this would be something for me. But it happened at the same time that there were other photographers in that studio. So some of them asked me to model for them. And I thought, okay, like, I don't really know how to do this, but... Uh, I mean, it sounds really interesting. So why not try it? Because my attitude is always I, I'm really curious and I want to find out more as you probably could discover already. <laughs> so I also thought, why not try it? You know, I, nothing really can happen if I don't like it, whatever, then I don't continue doing it. So I did a couple of shoots and I actually discovered that it was really, really fun. And then at the same time, I got scouted on the street from a model agency and they asked me to come in their um, agency and be a part of this. So I said, okay, like actually this suits me really well right now. I'm into this anyway. So I got into the agency and one week later, I already had my first job and it was so much fun. And I was thinking, wow, this is actually something that I never thought for myself would be possible, but now I'm already in it. So I will just keep on doing it. And it turned out that this was actually working better for me than being behind the camera. And I actually also had more fun in front of the camera. So I just continued going that path. And I have been doing this ever since. Now I also do a lot of different things at the side or meanwhile, but I still do modeling and I still enjoy it so much. So I'm really happy that the universe like put me on that path so randomly. <laughs> it is amazing. Actually, I was just talking to a corporate a couple of days ago and we were talking about, you know, how corporate executives always believe that they have done it and they've gone all the way and they've took the world by its horns and achieved. And I was like, Honestly, most of what happened in my life was luck, like you being scouted on the street. Most of the time, of course, you work hard after those opportunities come your way, but most of our lives comes in those pivotal moments. Here on Slow Mo, I hosted uh, Branadine and, uh, and Therese, and you know, they're my friends, and we spoke about modeling. And it seems to me that the glamour of the industry, at least in their conversations, is not really what the industry is like inside. You, you, on the other hand, saying you have a lot of fun doing it. Tell me what's your experience of modeling. How did you find that? I think there are so many different paths you can go with modeling. It's the same with every career, you know, like when you're whatever career you follow, you can be a coder and work in an environment and for a company that you enjoy so much, but then you can also find your niche somewhere else and do a completely different thing with that. So I think with modeling, it's exactly the same. It doesn't always look the same for every person. So as for me, I mostly do um, very small things, very local things. I have that pretty Berlin alternative kind of edgy look. So I get booked by a lot of German or by a lot of Berlin style companies that are maybe a little bit smaller, a bit more edgy, let's call it, or grungy. But then I also do a lot of sustainable brands and I do big commercial shootings, not so much um, catalog or not so much um, editorials or something like this. So you really, in modeling, you can find your niche. So for me, it's not like I travel around the world and do a different model job every day, because I think when you do it like this, it can be very stressful. And also when you start with 14, 15, 16, that's when most models gets discovered. I think this is a completely different thing than as I do it now. I'm 32 now, so I feel like a much more grown up and 
confident woman who really can also say no and set boundaries. And I really know which model jobs I would like to take on and which ones are not good for me. So I also have the opportunity to choose my jobs that I would like to go for. And also, you know, you're the face of something, you represent a brand. So I often turn down jobs when they came to me because they, for example, do not promote healthy living, which I really stand for. I mean, my, my brand is pure, happy, healthy. So I also only want to embody jobs that flow with that kind of concept in my life. So as I feel I have the power, as I'm empowered as a model, I can have a lot of fun with it because it, yeah, it's my chosen jobs and not someone else who doesn't respect my boundaries and chooses the jobs for me. And I think also being grown up helps a lot, knowing more who I am. Because if you take a 14-year-old who still lives at home, I think that woman or also man maybe doesn't even know themselves yet. So there's a lot of, yeah, maybe not so good things happening to yeah, these children, you could actually say. So I think the model industry could really change. And I would really prefer if something would change in terms of the age, but also in the way models are treated. But you can also really find your niche like I did, where modeling can be a really fun and very creative job that actually is enjoyable. I think what you just said is gold. It applies to every job, really. It's not just modeling. I agree with you, the idea of a model starting at age 14 is, is deceiving in every way to the model and on, on also honestly to the people watching that model, you know, because in reality that, you know, young 14-year-old lady or girl in that case doesn't really represent you, you know, as the person who's buying that product. It's uh, I find it all deceiving in a way. But having said that, I think the idea of choosing your niche it doesn't come easily to a lot of people because a lot of people are motivated a little more maybe by fear that, you know, I should take every opportunity. I shouldn't upset anyone. I should say yes, 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 because I'm young and I need to grow. The strength to sit back and say, is this making me happy? Is this adding to my life? I don't think everyone uh, has that. Hmm. I was definitely at that point as well, where I took on jobs that afterwards I felt like were not good for me. And I think it's also a learning experience, right? The more jobs you take on, the more you know about it and the more also you find out who you are. So I think modeling has been a really beautiful journey also for me, discovering who I really am and therefore also knowing what I want to do and where my boundaries are. And Modeling has not always been good for me in terms of my health because, I mean, I obviously compared myself to others and also that made me somewhat discontent with my body at some times. And maybe that's a topic we will also dive in later a bit deeper, which also made me want to get my breast implants at one point, which I got out again afterwards. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that because uh, this is really interesting for me, actually. So as I said, we didn't know each other. When you sent me that message, I Googled you. And of course, as you can imagine for a model, the first thing that comes on top, like after one choice is pictures, images, images, images of you elegantly being a model. And yet your message to me when I asked you about your story, you said, I wasn't comfortable with my body. I got breast implants. And that even made me feel worse. And then I removed them. Tell us about that. That's a very, very interesting concept for those who believe that models must be the happiest people on earth with their bodies and looks. 
Mm. You know, it's so interesting. A bit before we spoke about how I was always different and how most people actually are scared of that being different, you know, and everyone nowadays somehow wants to be normal, quote unquote, and um, wants to be the same. So for me, that was a long time it was big, big um, fear for me as well, or my biggest struggle before it became my superpower of being different. I wanted nothing more than being normal, having normal parents living a normal life and just being considered like a normal person, you know. And also with that came that for me, a normal woman would grow breasts and femininity looked for me like you would see the 90s babes in, in Hollywood and in all these magazines. I grew up in the 90s. I was a child in the 90s. So for me, the big idols were always, you know, Pamela Anderson, maybe not her, <laughs> but kind of from her body shape and everything, but Angelina Jolie, um, Julia Roberts, all these big 90s stars, you know, and I felt like all of them looked so feminine, quote unquote, feminine, beautiful. So when I grew up, somehow nothing ever happened to my body. I stayed the same slim, no curves came, nothing just happened with my body. And I'm still <laughs> a very androgynous kind of look on my body. But when everyone else grew up and was turning into a more feminine, considered feminine shape and growing breasts and hips, etc., and nothing happened to me, I somehow felt like that was another aspect of me being so different. And, you know, I wanted nothing so much than being normal, like a normal woman. And I think I also, it was considered for me being so feminine. So I, for the longest time, I really had a struggle finding my own femininity in my very androgynous kind of boyish body, because femininity in our society, in our culture is so connected to a woman looking a certain type. And you know, when you look in the world, how everyone is trying to look the same and doing all these beauty surgeries and men and women nowadays, because there is the type of how a woman should look like. And there is how a man should look like to embody the feminine and to embody the masculine. So in my childhood or in my youth, that was a yeah, that was just lacking for me. So I had struggles finding my identity because I was so different already. And then also finding my femininity in my boyish body. But then also, I think because I always in my family and in my surroundings, people would really in my family, I was always known to be the beautiful. People would call me, oh, the pretty one. So I felt like I was really rated down on my external looks. So I started to see myself from an outside perspective instead of being and resting really within myself. And that's where I say it's, I mean, of course, it's nice thing to tell other people that they look beautiful for you. But on the other hand, it's really problematic because you give an outside perspective on them and make them get their value from the outside. So for the longest time, I drew my value from outside validation and from the outside perspective 
on me. And then that's when modeling came into place, you know, that made it more strong because when you're a model, obviously you're, you're judged by your look. You're always judged by the outside perspective and you always see yourself from an outside perspective as well and not from your center. So that's when it became intensified. And as we were saying also that models usually get discovered when they're like 14, 15, 16 years old. Somehow there was the fear in me that at a soon point I would be too old for modeling and that my external beauty would fade away. So I really got that fear of not being enough and not being accepted in the modeling industry anymore. And especially when you grow towards mid-20s, towards the 30s, usually what models do is they become lingerie models or bikini models because then they become the more feminine shapes and they're not really on the runway anymore, but they become more casted as maybe in the commercial, they're the mom, the bikini model or whatever. But me without any curves, fitting more into the kind of puberty kind of style of uh, editorial or high fashion, I didn't really find my niche there. So I thought, okay, if I can just get breasts and look more feminine, I will find my femininity. I will overcome the weird image I have from my body. Anyways, I felt so disconnected from my body and um, I can still sustain in the model industry that. Yeah, once the eternal beauty and the once that feminine curves. So then I got the breast implants, which actually was kind of, it was in my mind for quite a while, but then it was a very fast decision somehow because I'm also quite impulsive. So I was just like, okay, if it's that easy to fix all my problems, I will feel more feminine. I will feel more home in my body. I will get more jobs and everything will be okay. I will also maybe find my happiness in life. If it's that easy, I can just do it. And so I got the breast implants and the first days afterwards, I was so happy. I was so hyped and I thought, wow, this was the solution of all my problems. I was never that happy in my life. But then a few days afterwards, the thoughts sneaked in uh, thinking, I could have chosen every single size on this planet. Why did I choose this size? I could have made it maybe bigger. Then the next day I thought, no, I could have made it smaller. So another discontent came, like considering that. And I already thought about, okay, can you make them even bigger or can you make them smaller? And then I had to sit for a few weeks because you're not allowed to work. I'm not allowed to move with them because they have to heal, etc. And that was the first time ever since I was 15 years old that I didn't work and that I actually just sat with myself. And I think that was one of the most transformative periods of my life because I sat, I sat with all my feelings. I sat with all my discontent about my body, also about my life. All these feelings came up, all these thoughts came up for me and it just felt horrible and uncomfortable. But it was the first time I really allowed that space to be there, to actually get these thoughts and get these feelings. And then I somehow realized that I'm still not content and over the next month or over the next year, these feelings came up more and more for me that actually I'm super discontent. And no matter what I do, I'm just so discontent with myself, but I'm also so discontent with my life and the boob job that was just one part of the symptom. 
And then I was on Bali where I had the major realization that whatever I will do from the outside, from external things, will not give me my happiness. And that happiness is something that really has to come from within you because only then you can be happy with yourself, you can be happy with your life, and you can be happy with your job, with everything you do. And that was the breakthrough for me. And also then I realized that the boob job was just a, basically a, an attempt to fill the void that was inside of me and the void of trying to fix myself, to fix my look, to yeah, fix of being different or whatever. So for me, the decision was so clear in that moment that there was nothing else than I wanted to get rid of these implants as fast as possible. And I just wanted to be myself because, you know, I felt like I had lost it so completely. I was so off the track of being myself that suddenly I realized how far I had gone that I destroy my precious body to become someone else, to become like everyone else, where the real beauty was actually already inside of me. So when I came back from Bali, I called my doctor and I did the next possible appointment to get the explant surgery. And I just remember like after the surgery, I just touched my chest and there was nothing. <laughs> and it felt so soft and I had tears in my eyes. And that was the point where I said, wow, this is how... It feels to be pure and be just myself. And that was the point really when I can say I started to love myself unconditionally and to really accept myself. And from ever since this moment, I am so indefinitely grateful for my body and so happy for my look and my life and everything. So this was really maybe a painful, but a very necessary transformation in my life to really find back on my track and also find my happiness with my life, but also with my body. This kind of round trip rarely ever happens. I mean, there is so much I can say about the wisdom you just shared, by the way. But let me start from this. You know, the, the idea that you go back on a decision, most of us hold on to those decisions saying, you know, I'm, I did it, it cost me money, everyone is looking at me in the streets, I don't care what I, you know, what my inner beauty really is. It takes a lot of courage to go back and say, no, actually, this is not what I want. I tried it, it didn't work, and I remove that. But I also am extremely puzzled, if you ask me, because I'm being very respectful and open here, because I think so many people are slaves to that idea that I need them to like me and I don't like me or sort of like I'm not the image that they want me to be. I, I found in my life that the most feminine women I've ever had the joy and the blessing of being with were the ones that completely loved who they are. If you don't mind me saying, they turned themselves on. They really looked at themselves and said, I am so beautiful. This man is so lucky to have me. And if that is not there, it doesn't matter if you have implants or if you have jet packs on your back, it doesn't really matter. I mean, how did you find that change of feeling to be able to, to finally love you, to finally look at you and say, oh my God, this is beautiful, exactly as it is. It never needed anything. It will never need anything. And there must be someone out there that adores it exactly as it is. How did that feel for you? 
first of all, I discovered that femininity doesn't have to look a certain way. I think femininity doesn't mean that you have breasts or um, have long hair or whatever. And I hope at one point that we even get away from the terms, this is feminine, this is masculine, because I think this is whole is a whole spectrum. And it's about more qualities instead of a term that has to look a certain way. So I can feel incredibly feminine now with, with having a very androgynous body. And some days I don't feel so feminine. And I I don't even really know what what that means it's more like a feeling and people say often also femininity is more the, the receiving or the passive or whatever and i don't really like that we put femininity into these aspects because i think it's just different aspect that every person has in different terms no matter if um, someone wants to see them as a male or female or non-binary so i think we should be allowed to feel sensations the way they come and to really express ourselves the way we feel. And this can differ. This can differ from day to day. I have non-binary friends who say each day is different. Sometimes they feel very soft and sometimes they feel very strong. Sometimes they feel passive. Sometimes they feel active. And no matter what, what you want to call them, it's all. And I think it's a whole spectrum of all of this. But if you want to use the term feminine and masculine, I think... I can live my femininity in different aspects than just considering it being a body. And then also what I think is beauty is really in the eye of the beholder. You know, I'm, I'm sure you know that the more you also get to know people, the more beautiful they become from you because you see their inside and you see their inner beauty. And for me, beauty is really something that an aura, something that shines from within. It's the connection and the life that I see in something. And it doesn't also need to be a person. I can see beauty in a plant. I can see beauty in the sun shining. I can see beauty in, in almost everything. And that's what changed in me. You know, that's if you change your perspective on the things they become beautiful. They are neutral themselves. Everything is neutral, but the way you perceive it, that can change. And it all starts inside of you. So when I started to change myself from the inside, I was able to see my inner beauty. And what also changed for me was seeing that I am not only a body, I have a body, you know, like, and, and a body can do amazing things. I can work with my body. I can model with my body, but I can also talk, for example, like I'm doing now. I can walk. I can do great things with my body, but I am not only a body. And that also changed that I wasn't seeing myself from the outside and objectifying myself from the outside, but really feeling that there was more to me and I have so much more qualities than only my body, which is also precious, obviously, and I'm glad to have my body. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that there's it just it was just an inside change. So beautiful to hear this coming from a model. I mean, honestly, this is this is the truth of it. I, in my philosophy, beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the heart of the beholder, because in in many many ways, in many ways, what we see is so conditioned. And again, I have so many friends and I know so many people and I talk to tens of thousands of people every, every year. And you'll be surprised that sometimes the shapes that they teach us are 
the sexy or the beautiful or whatever that is, you know, sometimes when you get close to that person, you go like, but that's actually maybe cold or maybe not that beautiful or maybe not connected to his or her own self. And I, and I think that whole concept of, of actually showing our inner beauty, really, that overwhelms all of that exterior view of life in such a strong way. This is a beautiful story, Leandra. So can I just ask you, so you remove those implants and your podcast is Pure Happy Healthy. And, and I think that word pure seems to be a big part of you. I mean, did you feel that when you removed them, you were more you, you were more pure maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's where the word from my podcast actually came from. And when I had them removed that day and when I really, the moment when I touched my chest and I just felt that it was just me, that I was, there was nothing in between. That was the first time I felt so pure with myself and so, yeah, aligned with life and so connected that I yeah have a really strong connection to that word of pure. I'm also quite minimalistic. So pure is really also a life. I would say pure, happy, healthy is kind of my, like my life philosophy and pure in the term of also I only want to have what really brings me joy in my life. You know, if it's people or if it's things I don't like to have or own so many things, I just have the things that really bring me joy and that bring me fulfillment and that feel good and aligned to me. And I eat really pure as well. I eat plant-based and yeah, produce that is not modified in any way. And my yeah, living space is quite empty, let's put it like this. So yeah, it really feels good to really concentrate on the few things or on the essential things that bring me joy and happiness. So I'm not like a super minimalist, but I live quite pure, I would say, yes. I think it's important to highlight for everyone listening to us. We're not asking you to stay away from implants or remove them if you have them. We're not asking you to be a plant-based or vegan or vegetarian or whatever. We're just saying there is a real you, I think. And a real you might not be what, what we're conditioned to believe we are. And I use the word pure myself. I'm, for example, which I think most people wouldn't even imagine, I am an extreme introvert. Like if I was allowed the time, yeah, I talk to tens of thousands of people every year, you know, and my favorite hours of the day is when I'm recording slow-mo and meeting amazing people like you. But if you leave me, I'll probably disappear for the next 26 years and you'll never hear from me again, right? <laughs> uh, and, and I have to admit, I have to admit that purity in my, in my mind is an acknowledgement that I know that about myself, is an acknowledgement that I need that in my life. It's an acknowledgement that even the closest people to me understand. They understand that they can't be stuck to me, you know, all day, every day. I can't do that. I, you know, I, need, I need my own space and I need my own thinking time and reflection time. And that whole idea of purity in my view would be, can you find out who you really are and just cleanse yourself from the rest, cleanse yourself from everything that came from outside you. If, if who you really are is the beauty of your body and you want to have implants, perfect. That's who you are. But I think the question is, is this really me? Is this really the pure level of who I am? Mm, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing this up again. I think it's, I 
never want to, um, yeah, put my opinion or my story onto someone, as you were mentioning, or put it together really well. It's just so important. I think so many people have lost really the connection to themselves, to who they really are, because there's also so much fear of not belonging or fear of being different and, yeah, fear of not being part of something or having different views. So I think it's so important to really, the pureness aspect, as you said, really dive deep with yourself and find out who you are and really walk your individual path. Try different things, like nothing can happen. <laughs> Just go other places, you know, and I think this is really making a really nice round trip. Yeah, nothing can happen. You can go out there and travel. You can learn new languages, meet new people, and it's all okay. You know, life is holding you and that will only make you discover who you really are if you try out new things that will show you your boundaries and it will really show you your life path so don't let fear hold you back of things and yeah it's just so important to really dive deep and find out the connection with yourself again easier said than done miss superhero because that's your super, <laughs> yeah, that is your superpower. You know what, Leandra, when, when you reached out and we spoke about a, a podcast swap, I actually normally ask about numbers and tell people, so how many downloads, because I have very limited hours of the day. And somehow I asked you, what's your story and what you want to talk about? And you said, you know, I want to talk about my experience as a model and the implants and how I started to find myself love and, you know, love for my body and so on. And I said, wow. That's such an amazing story. I will tell you now, I am so pleased we met. I don't know if you realize, but what you just shared, especially for a 32-year-old young lady like yourself, I think this is pure in distilled wisdom around what, what we need to do as we start to find our place in life. And, I, and I'll say from my own personal observations, I'm, I just pay attention all the time. I think the early 30s in a woman's life is really the time when she stops only knowing what she doesn't want, but starts to head into what she actually wants in her life. And so to share this from someone like you, the idea of just love what you are and push it to the limit and maximize it and love being different. Love being different is such a powerful message because you know what? Being different, I agree, is a superpower. It really is. If we were to close by telling all of your 32-year-old or 30s friends out there how to be more adventurous in life, how to remove the fear, what would be your like two sentences tip? Life is always for you, not against you, whatever will happen. And trust in yourself and the universe that you're always held and everything will be okay. I admire this conversation. I am so, so, so grateful that you came. Thank you so much for all that you shared so openly. I, I really appreciate that we got connected and we spoke. I'm so, so happy that I could speak with you today. It was such an honor to be here. And thank you so much for the amazing work that you do and your beautiful podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. That was a very, very interesting conversation for me. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. The idea of being different as your superpower. I love that. I love that. I think this is something that we all should think very deeply about. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, then please do your part. Help me spread this podcast as far and wide as I can. Rate it five stars now if you're on an Apple device. Please leave a kind comment that encourages others to join us. Share it on social media and please do find me on social media and tell me what you think. Reach out if you have a wonderful story to share that like Leandra's and I'm Mo underscore Gaudet on Instagram, Mo Gaudet on LinkedIn, M Gaudet on Twitter, and Mo.Gaudet.Official on Facebook. I sadly cannot accept further invitations on some of those platforms, so please uh, do get in touch on a message. And um, I think it's uh, time for my weekly reminder for you. I know that you're busy and you have a million, million things to do, but remember there's always a chance for you to slow down. When you do, come back and join me for another conversation. I'll see you next time.